0: Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Classic Lenses podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm hosting this podcast from Stoke-on-Trent in the UK. This week we
1: have Carl Havens back. Um, so hello, Carl. Hello, Simon. How are you? And, How are we be um, good. We missed you. I, no, I thought yeah. I was here last week, but um, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I listened to the podcast, though. And it was great. Dear
2: listeners, Carl's been telling us for 10 minutes that he really was on the podcast last week, just so you know.
1: (laughs) I was there.
0: His mic might have been on mute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: the whole time. <laughs> it was a good one. It was yeah. a good one.
0: Um, and as, as you can hear there, we have um, in Chicago, Illinois, uh, we're joined by Mr. Regular himself, uh, Johnny Sisson. Hello, Johnny. Thank you, uh, Yeah, There's a little bit of light snow here this morning. So just, yeah, good morning. All right. Now, uh, as, as Carl will remember well, uh, we had Eric Sluice on the show last week, um, and he was... Our guest, And we sent him off to our far-flung desert island, Um which which reminds me, we haven't actually got a name for our island. So um I don't know if anybody fancies giving us any suggestions where we actually send people off to uh, oh, on the I... ill-fated S.S. Tessa to, uh, to our desert island where there are now two people living. Uh, because an exclusive there and uh, Animal Mystery is there. Uh, hopefully now they've found each other and keeping each other company.
2: I think it's yeah, the I'm island right, right next door to M's Island. Oh, it could the... be. I thought yeah. they
1: replaced each other, and when a new one arrived, the old one got to leave. Isn't that what you decided last week?
0: Yeah, it, it's, I right? think it's quite fluid. We, we, let's just we'll have to, just have to see what happens, Eric. Eric, perhaps will get in touch
1: and give us an update and uh, let us know what, what what's actually happening there. And I, and it just reminded me that um, I didn't listen to the whole f- podcast because I don't. I didn't get to the part where where he identified his third lens, so I don't know what his third choice is. Right.
0: Well, I can I can tell you now that. Eric, he, he managed to pretty much defy his uh, yes. deepest emotions uh, by not taking a single Carl Zeiss lens, which which well, well put it shocking. this way, shocking <laughs> it, it is. And I, I, we did actually have a, a, a light, some lie detector software uh, connected yeah. to the. Um, or a machine at least connected to the uh, the podcast last week, and Eric managed to melt it. So yeah, um, yeah. Do, do we do we believe that, Carl, uh, that Eric was uh, not take a single Zeiss lens there? Mm. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Peter says so. no. Yeah, yeah.
1: He <laughs> was he was right on with his choice of camera bodies. So that was that was good choices.
0: Well, they were good choices of lenses as well. Yeah, they were
1: very thoughtful choices of lenses. They, they yeah. were
0: because they they were they were interesting. They were certainly not what we expected them, him to take. And and frankly, there was two of them there that uh, I think none of us had a great deal of knowledge of whatsoever. So uh, well well done to Eric on that one. That was uh, that that was interesting. But um, but anyway, uh, Last week, we, at the end of it, we we were going to do some emails, but he was actually running on quite long. Um, so we decided that uh, we'd. Postpone that and do emails this week. So, um, and we've had quite a few, and we've had some more since uh, the last ones came in as well. So we've got two weeks worth of uh, emails to, and correspondence to catch up with. But before we done that, before we do that, I should say, uh, seeing that you've not been with us, Carl, although you may well have been sort of with us last week, but we didn't hear from you. Um, perhaps you want to let people know what you've what you've been up to.
1: What I've been up to. So no. <laughs> Not a huge amount in photography, although this weekend I've had some fun. It's been a rainy weekend, like on and off all the weekend along. and um so I went out yesterday mor yesterday morning, Saturday morning, our local farmers' market, and it was raining, and um, it was quite nice because everyone had their umbrellas out and um, and I, I I have finally got one of these Asahai Koku Takumar <laughs> Koku- <laughs> Koku- oh. Koku- wow. Koku- <laughs> f fifty eight, um, F no, fifty eight f- millimeter. F fifty f- uh, uh, eight is that a pinhole? Fifty eight millimeter f two point four lenses. So the one that Simon uh, bought, that I originally was going to buy, and then someone got another one, and another, and I, so I finally one came up on eBay, and, I, and um, it's fantastic. It's perfect. There's no, I can't hardly see anything on it. It's, it. It looks perfect. There's a little bit of small cleaning marks on the front of it, but that's it. And I really like it, and um, so I went out on um, Saturday morning shooting and um, experienced how fun it is to try to take photos of a bunch of people in a, a street setting with a whole trying to hold an umbrella over your head at the same time. And um, I need to invent something. I need to do a Kickstarter and invent something that attaches a little umbrella over the top of a camera. And um, we talked about <laughs> we talked about that, and then. Um, Yesterday, there was a local art festival that happens once a year downtown, and it wasn't raining. It was just kind of off and on raining, and I took this lens out and shot photos that I, that I really like. I don't know if other people will like them or not, but I like them. And um, they're a bunch of black and whites, and I didn't take any pictures of, of the art. I took pictures of people doing stuff, and uh, there's a couple that I like really in particular. And um, I have no idea what aperture I shot at. Because it's a preset lens, and um, I just turned the preset dial all the way to 22, and so there's this clickless ring that I was messing around with, and I basically just focused and turned until I liked the way the background looked behind the person that I was photographing, and then I—I uh, I don't know—I was probably shooting at f 5.6 or 8 on most of the shots, so I did that. That was my, that was my photography. Fini- oh, well, I finished up. I finished up a roll on the Pen EES. Totally. F- it up because um somehow the um appet- the uh, asa dial had gotten turned to um to 200 because i thought i had xp2 in the camera and i actually had fp4 so i shot a whole bunch of pictures with the camera set at 200 with the film um being 125 asa
0: yeah, film i won't hurt anything
1: yeah, I don't. know. I like contrasty photos, so I might tell the photo lab to do something with that. Tell them to push it a stop. Yeah. I'll tell them to push it a stop. Yeah, I think so. And then the other thing is that um, if anyone knows that camera, it's a cool camera. This this pen EES, and and it's, it's zone focusing, but it has three zones. So it has this little dial with a picture of a single person, and then a picture of three people standing side by side, and then a picture of a mountain. And um, I don't like to use. My, I don't like to wear my glasses when I'm walking around, so I take them off, and I can't see those. Freaking little things clearly enough to differentiate the mountain from the single person one. So I shot, I don't know, a dozen pictures of um, things that were intended to be an infinity focus with the lens set on the close focus. (laughs) So I came home and I took a Sharpie marker and I made dark marks on either side of that little mountain thing. So the next time I go out, I won't do that again. We'll we'll see how those turn out, but maybe they'll be good for people who like blurry photos and, uh, and don't care about about focus. So that's my my photography. Um, I've been trying to shoot more images of people doing things and interacting with each other, um, like we talked about before. And I did a set in a bar the other night. It was mostly to get a handle on how i was going to work with the light. This is like one of the darkest places that I, that I ever go into, and um, and I was shooting at f one point one, and uh, but now I had the the lens on the Fuji, not the Sony. And I had the ISO up at times to over 3,000, almost 4,000. And I was still holding the camera with a 50th of a second. And this is an F1.1. So that was the main thing. I got a couple of shots that I kind of like, but I was, I was trying to get a feel for that because I'm going to go in there and do some more serious shots. And the staff at this place, who I know really well, they're going to let me do some portraits of them candid portraits i don't know whether it be while they're working or maybe just standing in a place that we find that works out well um there's two cool lens things um, that i wanted to mention I don't, I don't have these lenses yet but um a couple of years ago no it was probably four years ago um people were were talking about jupiter nine and um I was looking at them on eBay, and they were really expensive. And then I saw this one that was $85, and I thought, oh, shit, I'll buy that, $85. And I bought it, and then it came, and then I realized it had a Kiev of 10 mount. And, um, but there was no way to put it on put it on my camera. And so um, I rigged up this way of putting it onto an um, M42 adapter by cutting a piece of a bicycle inner tube and wrapping it around the lens and then around the adapter. And it would stay on... For a while before it popped off, but um, I was able to take photos. But there's not adjust the aperture because the aperture adjustment is in inside of the camera that that comes from. And um, but the pictures were nice, and so I, I sent that one off to Derek, and he he still has it. it's probably sitting on a shelf because I don't think he was able to do anything with it either. And it's um, if you see them on on uh, eBay, it'll it'll say Jupiter Nine Automat yeah, for a Kiev 10-15 mount, and and yeah, they're cheap. Well, um, this guy who makes those uh, custom adapters that many of us have for the um, uh, Helios 103 lens, or uh, he's basically taken them out of a Kia 4 camera and made an adapter out of them. Um, his his uh, eBay his name is K-Kosbik, KOSBIK, K-O-S-B-I-K-84. I've bought a bunch of Soviet things from him. He um, He's now made an M42 um Frankenstein version of that um, Jupiter Nine lens, and and else and set it, set it up with a pin that you can push in and out to adjust the aperture. So um, I, I corresponded a little bit with him, and I have one coming from him to try out, and uh, I'll post some pictures when it arrives. See how and see how it is. It might be a really uh, inexpensive way to get into a very nice lens. So we'll see John, how that
0: um so just price price differential there say between that uh was it kf fifteen ten fifteen did you, did you say um
1: so back in the day when I was looking the 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 Jupiter nines were over two hundred dollars and that one was eighty five I don't know how they compare right now mm. maybe about the same yeah because I you bought said- a Jupiter nine not too long ago and I paid over two hundred dollars for it
0: yeah, it's it's, go, it's going to make a huge difference. I mean, that's always been the case. It, the, the The gap has narrowed <coughs> considerably with the the LTM thirty nine and the Contax Kiev version. Because certainly when I first set out looking at uh, Soviet lenses, there were there weren't many options to to adapt a, a Contax Kiev lens, and as a result of that, the the, the prices were probably around about sixty percent. Of the price of an LTM thirty nine lens, and it's exactly the same thing. And in some ways, they, they can be more desirable because you can. Um, they, they're quite flexible lenses, especially if you get one of those adapters that you can keep on turning the helicoid. So far, it'll drop out, <laughs> but you can use it to uh, get very, very close indeed. So um, no, I, 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 I quite like the uh, the Contax Kiev lenses, but but yeah, the 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 more difficult the mount, then the cheaper the the base lens is going to be.
1: Right. Well, so this lens. So this lens, though, when it comes, it's going to have an M42 mount. Not a well, context, the, oh, so,
0: oh, right. So he's actually he's yeah. adapted the lens. So he hasn't actually. You're not buying an adapter that you can use all these lenses to go into. It's the. No, he's made this out. lens
1: an M42 mount lens.
0: Oh, right. So I mis I misunderstood you. I thought there was yeah. a, a wonderful new mount uh, that we have, uh, adapter yeah, yeah. that we could actually just drop these uh, these things into.
1: I have no idea how he's done it, I'll tell you more when I get it, but um, I've seen the photos of it, and it has an M42 thread, and, um, and it has a little pin that sticks out of the side that um, activates the aperture. Of course, you don't know really what aperture you're at, but you pull and push and pull the pin, and I went back and forth with him a number of times talking about the lens, and I thought, I'm going to get it. I'll get, I'll get it from him and give it a try and, um, and see how it goes. And he said that he's, he's got a bunch of them and he's gonna he's going to you know start producing more and more of them. So i have to keep an eye out for those. It's a good lens for, for members to try that don't have a Jupiter 9. So this other this other lens that I bought just by chance, I wasn't looking for this lens. I was looking for an opton sonar, um 51.5. And the and the and then I realized oh god, these are really expensive. The, 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 anyway, the ones I was looking at were over five hundred dollars. And then, well, I was, this was like the second time I was looking, this, this lens popped up from Russia, and it's a Zorky ZK um, 50 millimeter 1.5, and then it says in parentheses Zeiss opton sonar for a Kiev 4 context mount. <clears throat> so I um, sent a, a private message to Attila and ask him, what, what you know, what is this thing? And he said, um, well, Simon first said, it's German glass. It's, it's made in 1950, this particular one. Um, and then um, Attila said, it's a very rare lens. And then I did a little research and I found out just a little bit about it. They were only were made in 1949 through 1950. And then I mentioned it to Cheyenne. And Cheyenne just sent me God, he could publish it as a, like a paper or something. It's about six pages of 10-point like, font, extremely detailed information about this lens. And the, but the, the upshot is that um, it's a very rare lens, and it's a lens made out of, um, Cheyenne said, shot, shot glass, mm-hmm. so it's German glass. It was um, taken from Zeiss after the war, and um, they had enough to make them for one year, and then um after that started making the Jupiter 3 out of out of soviet glass so it's, it's a um it's basically the the progenitor to the Jupiter 3 series of lenses but with german glass so i have no idea whether it will be um a, a, you know better image quality than my Jupiter 3 and, and i think I'm, I'm just going to say Carl, i'm not just
0: yeah. something you just said there I, i'm yeah. not i'm not entirely sure that's entirely correct because i've certainly heard that some of the german glass can continued in those uh lenses for a few years after maybe that, yeah that maybe the one maybe but it's yeah this is one of those areas where you know, it, the pe- people find things out and they say it and uh some things are true some things are uh, yeah. assumptions and, and so on okay. but i'm just thinking about by, by i'll be just wary about putting a definitive uh line in the sand there saying that uh the okay. lenses that came after that were definitely not german because i'm, I'm not sure we could really say that
1: okay so um So I paid $199 for it. I thought definitely it's worth $199. And, um, and I, and I think it'll be a nice lens just to have. And, um, and I I don't know about someone said compare it to a Jupiter three. I I could do that, but there's probably so much variation between Jupiter threes. And I have a relatively uh, recent Jupiter. It's not, it's not a really early Jupiter three. And so, um, you know, I don't know what it would mean that my Jupiter 3 isn't as good, um, in my view, as as this lens. Because if I use your Jupiter 3, your Jupiter 3 might be a better lens. So, so I'm not well, sure well, that I'm.
0: So I mean, I I have tested Jupiter 3s, and I've I, I, we t- we talked about it. Um, I think it was probably back in the summer, um, because I, I've also got an opt-on Sonar, and at the time I had a uh an LTM Jupiter 3 and I've still got a 1952 Jupiter 3 as well and I, I compared them actually I compared it against the Seven Artisans uh, 51.1 just just for the sake of it really um and the differences between Jupiters was tiny um there was actually more of a difference between the Jupiters I found the, uh, and the uh and the 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 Opton Sonar um to the point where actually I found it actually preferred uh, the Jupiter Three, the results from the Jupiter Three, than I did with the the opt-on Sono. Um, although interesting enough, I felt that the my nineteen fifty two Jupiter Three, I thought was it probably edged it compared to the others. But but really, you know, if you were just looking at the picture and if the pictures that they, they were taken, just just as they were in isolation, in isolation, you would you'd be very happy with them. And it was only really at the level where you were going absolutely at, pixel peeping level would you see any difference and i would say if you've got to go that close to actually see a difference with the lens and i don't think it really matters
1: yeah well we'll see when i get it i'll take it out and do some shots of different kinds of things and we'll see, we'll see how it goes yeah i, I like my jupiter 3 it'll be fun i have them
2: bolted as well the, the opt-on well jupiter 3 i have in uh in ltm mount and I have the Opton in, um, you know, contacts mount, and <laughs> I mean the the Opton is a much better constructed lens. They're not even the same, you know, universe. But optically, the I don't know. There, I have that super sand socked Jupiter three, as you'll recall. <laughs> I'm surprised you can see through that lens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the the so the that it flares very differently <laughs> under <laughs> under bright lights. The the uh, the opton hardly flares at all. Actually, it flares, but not not in the same way, starbursty sort of way.
1: So I have to read this thing. There's so much information in what Cheyenne sent me. It's great. Thank you. I'll do an early shout out. Thank you, Cheyenne, for doing this amazing research on this so, lens that I en- bought.
0: And en- Encyclopedia Cheyennecus. <laughs> I've had, I mean, he's, he's, given, he's given me so much information about stuff over, over these last few 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 months. um, um Yeah, he does a does a you, you sort of say something to him, and, he, and then he just disappears for 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 a day, and the next thing, bang, you've got you've got this 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 email um, with with tons of information, um you know, such as like you know, he, he managed to track down the the operator's manual for my Meridian four x five camera that was made in nineteen fifty. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so. Um, I don't know where he gets all this stuff from, but, um, yeah, he does a great job of that, of that kind of research, which at the end of the day, when we had him on the show, you could, you could tell that, you know, he, he just loves going, going back and looking at the history of things and then spreading the knowledge. Um, okay, well. c- Carl, I was just going to say something going right back to, uh, to where you were in, in, when you were talking about using that, uh, uh, Asahi, if that's how we say in it, um, fifty-eight millimeter two point four, the Helior lens. Um, yeah. You you mentioned your method of using that, and you said that uh, you turned the preset ring to f twenty two, and then and then moved the aperture ring to to, to suit. And uh, I I have to take issue with that, and um, yeah. and I th- I think this is uh, either either John is going to what's the word uh, officiate judge judge this one, but I. I am firmly of the opinion that uh, what you actually do, you set your aperture ring to f22, and you move your preset ring. Um, whereas you, you the, your terminology is to do it the other way around. And no, you're uh, correct.
1: You're correct, Simon. You're, you're right. Yes. Oh, okay. So I'm, I thought, what I'm doing I is, thought I thought we could have it. an argument there.
0: That's uh, you're, <laughs> you're, all, right. We? you're right. You're
1: right. I'm, I'm changing the. I'm opening and closing the diaphragm with the preset ring. You're, you're right.
0: That's 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 cool. Um, do you agree with that one, Johnny? Uh, I'm I'm not sure which ring Carl's actually
2: turning, but <laughs> no, I mean right. it doesn't he's matter. Right. I mean, what's the difference? You shooting no, it on just, digital; it doesn't make any difference. No, it's a,
0: it's just the terminology. If if we're explaining the how a preset ring works or a lens with a, with a preset ring, um, then uh, some people. Well, okay, so the the, the, pre, the the preset ring would be the one. With the
2: hard stops, if you have well, there's single ring and there's dual ring presets too. So added,
0: let's, added let's, go, let's go. Let's go with the single rings now. I'm already in disagreement with you, Johnny. But you, you go All right, ahead. Well, the single ring presets, you, uh, you essentially you you you
2: pre-click like the Tessars are like this and the Biotars. You pre-click to the selected f-stop, say f eight, and then the yep. ring will turn freely between wide open and f eight. So the idea is that you. Preset it to f eight. You focus wide open, and then right before taking the shot, you turn it and stop down to f eight, so that you're using the widest aperture for focusing and have the brightest viewfinder. So that I okay, mean, that's, technically that's how you do it. And whether it's one ring or two, you're doing you're doing the same operation.
1: So there's yeah. two rings on this, and the front one. Yeah, so that, and, right. So and, so and right. hard click stops. Right. And, um, and right. Right. Exactly. So I could, if I decide, if I went out and decided, I'm going to mm-hmm. shoot all of my photos at f four. Um, mm-hmm and i i've just set it at f4 right now and and i can open it all the way up and then very quickly go to f4 and take the shot yeah. but um but what i like to do and what i did yesterday and what i described was have the whole range available so that if i get someone focused i can i can turn that ring and on a digital camera this is easy it wouldn't be so good on a yeah. film camera maybe or or a rangefinder with a light meter in your hand but um I don't need to worry about any of that the camera's on on yeah. aperture priority and so I just I just close down to a place where I think you know the background isn't distracting and I like the way the whole image looks and then I take the picture
0: um, yeah, John, you're you're viewing the you're viewing the depth of field in real time and yeah makes sense yeah um the 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 methodology absolutely fine but uh Johnny you you did actually say then at least i think i heard you say that the uh, the clicky what the clicky wheel is the uh the preset ring and i'm saying no that's the aperture ring and it's the smooth one is the preset ring um i i think we should uh, put this out to our our listeners and the uh, people why because it, there's only one answer
2: <laughs> no, no, Why? The the ring that clicks and stops at the aperture is the preset ring. The aperture Ooh. ring is the one you turn to no. meet the preset ring. No. And there's no. there's
0: only one answer here. No, there isn't. The answer the the, the, the one that clicks is the aperture ring. The oh, one goodness. that moves freely, stepless, is the preset ring. So so there we go. We're um <laughs> um we need we need the uh the um <laughs> <laughs> the throngs of people out there. We uh, can. Um, if anybody has a. A definitive answer on this, and can and can back it up with pictures, <laughs> preferably not drawn by themselves, um, <laughs> uh, so uh, from from some textbook <laughs> or something like that. Then uh, please send them in, and uh, we can we can put this one to bed because yeah, we've we've had this discussion on a few occasions, and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd I like got to, I'd got like to a, end discussion. this
1: discussion. I got to agree with Johnny. Listen, especially since this is episode number forty-five, Johnny's answer is the best answer. It's the best answer to any question that's ever been asked. I have the best answers. Because he, he, he doesn't have to think about it. He knows it in his gut.
2: It doesn't have to be true as long as I think it's right.: That's right.
0: <laughs> okay, well, on, the, on, the, on, on that note, uh, I' John- All right.
2: I am looking at a diagram of a Helios 44, two, mind you, that has that shows it indicates which rings are which. So I have this and I will I could include this if you like. I, I could include this in the notes. I,
0: I wish I wish to verify the, the source of this information before we uh we're well, we
2: freaking internet. What do you think the source of the information is? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, no, but is it this is it just some bloke who's just who's just written this on a on a in a blog? Or is it actually um, no, come, come it, from the it, a, a diagram from an instruction manual?
2: It's in a diagram from an instruction manual. I will let me read this. Hi friends. I bought the Helios 44 for my Sony, since we're going to be reading a lot of things today. I bought the Helios 44 for my Sony A77. Of course you did. Used it a, used it and clicked few shots. I feel I am still confused as to how it works, actually. Many rotating rings making me think so. Anyone who used it, guide me, please, how to use every ring and how they work. Thanks in advance. Regards, A khan Kathmandu, Nepal. So there you go. And... <laughs> <laughs> and this lovely diagram shows every Porsche, every part, diagram ring with index, diaphragm ring setting, index of diaphragm setting ring. So it's got it all marked there. So I'll find a few more, I'll find a few more, uh, you know, from the manual diagrams for you, Simon. Mm. Okay. Okay. <laughs>
0: Well, oh, let's uh, let let's let's see what happens on that one. Okay, okay. So, so Johnny, well, uh, you've been up to a few things as well, haven't you? So, uh, do you want to f- tell us about those? Well, I haven't really been up to anything uh, other than it's been
2: constantly gray here in Chicago since the time change, and it's dark at one thirty in the afternoon. So, I've been wa- I've been <laughs> I've been still I've been I've 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 been finally using. Um, uh my yashica t4 super that my my good friend mark booth gave to me that i really haven't used too much but it has a built-in flash so now you know it's making itself extremely useful in the crappy light situations and i have a roll of uh cinestill 800 in there which i've been saving to use and since it's dark all the time it seemed like the perfect film so that's what i've been shooting um and i have been posting on instagram this week well i was continuing my 1980s 1990s uh photo series but but now i'm on to um posting a few things from the Voigtlander Bessa L onto which i have mounted the uh the Vivitar uh ultra wide and slim lens that i hacked off that camera mounted it into an L uh, you know, an LTM mount into a body cap. So I have this little point and shoot lens on the Voigtlander, which is kind of okay. But then I realized I could stick on the front of that. Um, the, the it, basically it's, it, well, it's marked as a night vision. It's the crystal AF. And I can only assume the AF does not mean autofocus because it doesn't autofocus uh, the crystal AF night vision lens, which is essentially a, 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 a lens with this crazy red coating on the front. Um, it's a 0.42 X wide angle lens. So that the effective uh, angle of view on, on this lens with the attachment is about 10 millimeters. So it's crazy wide. The colors are crazy. And that's what I've been kind of posting up on my Instagram. I, I, I did this lens hack ages and ages ago and haven't shot it with it a whole lot. And honestly wasn't super impressed with it, but adding the crystal af on the front and it's suddenly a whole lot of fun so that's i that's what i got going on my my instagram that's been my highlight and i think we'll put a picture of this on the cover art for this week for the podcast because it does look really crazy and you got to see it so it's
0: it's it's quite difficult to picture it um, in this podcast certainly so yeah i think we need right. to get that bit of help yeah, you gotta see the picture so that's my highlight crystal af Okay. Um, right. Well, let's, let's move on then because uh, the main part of today's show is catching up on uh, all the emails we've had. So uh, do you want to go with the the first one there, Johnny? Uh, yeah, let's take it from the,
2: from the top. Uh, we got a whole bunch of emails here since Simon's got a thing for email that he doesn't have to read. <coughs> uh, so subject, uh, Flectagon not perfect think you know where we're going with this one. If you've listened to the podcast. Hi, fellas. Thank you for another interesting podcast. As I listened to Simon recount his experience with the Flectagon, I could hear in the pain in his voice as he drew comparisons with the results achieved by his friends with their fancy modern optics. Uh, There are basically two things that you can do, Simon, to avoid this happening again. Firstly, know your lens, its strength, and its weaknesses. (laughs) and use it where its strengths are given a chance to excel. The coatings and design of the Fleck will never give the same results as the modern Plastic Fantastic, but it does shine nicely under other lighting conditions. Uh, I look at the works of Adolfo Rosenfeld to see how he milks the best from all the lenses that he uses. Secondly, and while it may hurt to say it, sometimes a modern lens is just the ticket for the kind of image that we have in mind, so we will go with that. One of the great things about your podcast is the warts and all totally to- total honesty that you all display. Um, I enjoy this as much as the banter and content. Keep up the good work. Enjoy the Kofi. Tom Shepherd.
0: Thanks, Tom.
1: So there you go. All those damn plastic lenses, Simon.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> since I mean, this 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 email goes back uh, to two weeks, uh, so the uh, the po- the podcast before Eric and, uh and I had a bit of a wobble uh, in my faith in the uh, old lenses uh, because I've, I was taking some photographs in very difficult lighting conditions and um, I, I struggled to achieve uh, the kind of photographs that uh, some of the people that were up on this hill uh, were managing with their very modern optics and the high quality optics as well. Um, since actually uh, po- uh, saying that I, I then posted a, a, a photograph um, which actually went
1: down extremely well. Um, that, was be- oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And, and after uh, you did all that work, post processing, Photoshop the
0: crap out of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The,
0: it's, it it went down very well. Although um, there the, there was there was a, there was at least one dis- uh, dissenting voice in the. Uh, 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 jeremy north um was uh uh suggesting that um it didn't look as natural as perhaps it it, it, it could have done and uh and yeah i, th- I think that's absolutely right but um uh, i mean just just going back to the to, to the photo it was a shot that i couldn't make work with a single exposure so uh and i knew that at the time that i was going to have tr- uh, trouble and i also didn't have any filters with me either so you've got uh it's it had an extremely bright sky with the the sun directly uh coming through the cloud uh, directly into the camera uh with a with a big hill uh in the shot as well so <clears throat> so you had a situation where well you could get the cloud exposed properly, and the sun, or you could get the uh, the, the hillside exposed properly and blow blow the uh, the sky out. Um, and one shot could not do everything, uh, so I took three shots, and then uh, so it's effectively an HDR. And I worked on it to do my best to make it not look like it's a, a tone mapped HDR shot. Which you know, I think I did a reasonable job of that, but it, it still. I looked at it and I thought, well, you know, look at those clouds. So I saw so I did make the most of some of the situation that was in there. So, uh, so I probably did add some clarity in a few places and, and put some blacks into it and so on. So, it was actually a pretty colourful shot in the, in the end. But it, and it and it certainly didn't represent exactly what I was seeing in front of me. Um, your eye could not see it that way, uh, but I liked it. And uh, and a lot of people were saying, how could I be down? on the lens that actually managed to produce a shot like that. And, and yeah, you, and those, those people are right. It's uh, it was, a, it was a case of that lens did the job on that particular shot. Uh, there were some other shots where it, it struggled with, um, but to be fair, I, I'm, I'm not sure if, the guys with the modern lenses with the shots that it struggled with, whether they actually would have achieved decent shots as well. So I think the the main point is I owe the Flectic on a bit of an apology. Um, and my faith in old lenses is now being restored. And I agree entirely uh, with, with Tom that uh, it's horses it for courses. You know, some lenses are going to work brilliantly in some circumstances and some aren't. And that applies to new lenses as much as it applies to old lenses and yeah, the Fletagon, It's. Uh, I think we need to restore it uh, back into its uh, legendary position because it, it it really, really did deliver. Okay. Okay. So, uh, okay. But Should so, we go on to the next? Or? I was just going to say just just thank, thanks again to to, to Tom and uh, and how he yes. uh, is is enjoying mm-hmm. uh, our uh, uh, warts and all uh, <laughs> coverage. Uh, gets gets plenty plenty of those and
1: uh, thanks Tom. So, so we have a lot of emails and. On the last episode of Backing Papers, they had a lot of emails, and they talked about a milk and cookie break. Are we going to have that, too? I really like that idea.
0: No, we're we're hardcore. We just keep going. No.
2: All right. Well, on to the next email. Uh, Subject, episode 36. Dear Simon, Johnny, and Carl, really enjoyed this show, had me laughing out loud, especially Simon's hassy experiences. I echo the small 50 Distagon issue. Uh, I've shot quite a bit of Velvia 50 using just a good old Weston master meter and adding one-third EV for me. Um, I'm a convert to your podcast, even though my DSLR is an old Pentax K10D, uh, though I've a lovely collection of Pentax K lenses to go with my two MX bodies. As you've probably gathered, I'm a film shooter 95%. Keep up the good shooting, Ian 007 Fleming.
0: Yeah. All right. And Ian was referring episode 36 just for uh, to to recap. That was the gear acquisition monkey um, mm. episode uh-huh. so uh, yeah. But yeah, the the the, the small distagon, yeah, it's absolutely enormous. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, let's follow it up real quick with subject episode 25 with Hamish and Jimmy D Simon, Johnny and Carl. Another email as I work my way through your great podcast. Wow. What a great episode really sums up my feelings. I too hate bloody HDR digital skies and over the use of vibrancy slider yet the internet loves these Hamish Is still right. Just enjoy what you like doing. Whatever you love. Keep shooting regards Ian Fleming. All right, yeah. double and, double shot at Ian Fleming,
0: pretty cool. It's a and I've I've got to say I I, th- I think I phrased my uh, my my last comments about my HDR shot um, <laughs> with the with, with Flectagon, knowing that uh, Ian's uh, email was coming coming up there. So uh, and I was yeah I was desperately trying not to get a specific HDR look, which I think is more about tone mapping rather than uh, mm-hmm. using the dynamic range available. Uh, but, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I must have, I, I did work on those skies as well. But there you go, you can't. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to do it, haven't you?
1: So the appropriate name for your uh, camera is a hathy not a. We, we aren't calling it a Blad anymore.
0: Um, uh, well, actually, that. Well, uh, we just. I've already mentioned Jeremy North. Uh, Jeremy North uh, also. Uh, took me to task for describing my my Hasselblad as a blad, um, saying that uh, it's a it's a crass American thing to do. So uh, <laughs> I've, I've now been put straight on that now, and uh, Hassi, Hassi is the way forward. Oh,
2: Hassi sounds so
1: limp wristedly <laughs> Swedish. I don't know. Whatever. I like blad. Uh, blad sounds sounds like almost. It sounds like I, I, Russian. I it what? Though, well, we're the well, Russian things now here in the U.S. But, well, um, keep
2: keep keep in mind there's the Kiev 88, which is known as the blodsky because it's the Russian uh, version of Hasselblad. blodsky Bladsky, yeah, Bladsky. Hass,
0: Hasselbladsky, I think they, they they call it rather than just Blatsky, don't they? Oh, maybe they're like, there they like yeah. not over Bladsky. here, not over Blad. here
2: in America. Trumpsky, 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 Trumpsky.
0: Episode forty five rolls on. Yeah, yeah so we, we okay, got an email from Michael Epstein now, haven't we? Yes,
2: we do. And following, sort of on this is these are these are following nicely one on the other thematically. Also, subject Pentax came out. Hey guys, I'm a relatively new follower of your podcast and have been enjoying it a great deal. Exclamation point! Not sure. If this is something you guys have discussed before, but the Pentax K1 is a beautiful way to shoot classic Pentax lenses with both K-mount and with an adapter M42. It's a very practical way to travel with both film and digital uh, and have one set of lenses. In addition to the Pentax K-mount lenses, are wonderful build and optical quality. Um, I also shoot loads of Fuji cameras, and there are loads of good quality K to Fuji X adapters. Uh, If you guys already discussed this, can you point me to the direction... Of that episode, or p- perhaps consider it as a topic for sh- future shows. Cheers, Mike Epstein. I don't know that we've talked about Pentax K uh,
0: digital much have we I'm no sure. all Or pentax k, lenses or k period. We, we, i mean we've done yeah. plenty of stuff on uh, Takamas, uh, especially in yeah. the, the the early episodes but that's not really what we're talking about
2: did uh, carl you you for a while there in one of your carl Pan, uh, passing fancies had your were shooting film on uh, a pentax mx right is that no what an
1: Emmy, Emmy, super. Yeah, Emmy? And, and, yeah. I, and I and I had a twenty-eight and a fifty came out. I think we talked,
2: was, so I don't yeah. know if we ever that ever made it to the podcast or not, but I yeah, I know that you were on hot on that for
1: a while. It was really nice, and I I loaned it. I I had three SLRs at the time, and I loaned yeah. that one out to someone in our camera club, and um, during that time I just got off of it, and um, and I, and I think that was about the time that you introduced me to the idea of trying a rangefinder. No, that's what I like. I like shooting rangefinders. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, the the Ks are they're nice cameras. I mean, the digital ones as well, and they obviously don't get the attention that the Konica stuff does. But the yeah, I mean, the natively natively mount Pentax K, you know, manual glass. It's one of the big draws for people that shoot that camera. Is I I, I mean, almost everybody I've met who shoots that camera has. You know, part of the reason they do it is to mount their Pentax K manual focus lenses on it, and by default, your M42 lenses, which work perfectly with, you know, the Pentax, you know, M42 to K adapter. So,
0: when you when you say they'll work that way, but they they won't do they work in in all, as automatic metering as well? Do they do they close down when you hit the shutter? Is that what you're saying?
2: No, they're. But, but well, I believe they're. Um, you know, stopped down only, but not not a huge problem, really.
0: Um, it's, well, well it, it's it, yeah, it's not a huge problem, but it's not ideal, is it? When you when you close down the the, the aperture on a on a DSLR, uh, your uh, your viewfinder goes dark so it can yeah. make it, it can make it difficult to to focus where of course if that lens was on uh, say right. a spotmatic or something like that then it would it would stop down
2: yeah, at the point of I, pressing the shutter I, wouldn't I, it yeah but i think it's it's like it's like using nikon glass manual glass it doesn't stop down but um, i believe it indexes to the aperture and records the aperture in the Exit data and it, t- it tells you the working aperture and the viewfinder. So, I mean, it's, been, it's essentially like Nikon, well, on the very few Nikon digital cameras that will actually let you mount Nikon classic glass, it, it works the same way.
0: So. No, I, I'm not sure if that's the case. Um, surely when you put it on, if you've got one of the, the, the higher end uh, the Nikon cameras and you put an AI an AI or an AIS lens on it, um, mm-hmm. Then you can you can set the aperture to wherever you want to set the aperture to take the shot, but the the actual um, your viewfinder stays yeah, yeah. bright. No, that's right. yeah, it's bright. It's the same. Yeah. But so, so does that also happen then? If I put a, a super Takumar on uh, on a I don't know an MX or some, something like that or an ME Super, are you mm-hmm. saying that if I set that to f eight, mm-hmm. it won't darken the screen until it actually takes the shot?
2: Uh, you're going to be stopped down shooting it. I don't have one in front of me to double check that. Maybe somebody can, can write in and tell us that. Cause again, there is only one correct answer. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I don't, I don't have one in front of me to, to, to double check that. Um, yeah. the open, open aperture metering, as far as I know, it does, they do not stop down automatically. You have to stop them down
0: manually. Yeah. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm. pretty sure that's the case. So, I mean, if that's if it's anything other than that, then uh, Pentax experts out there, please let us know. Mm-hmm. But the Pentax right. K one camera, though, um, it's 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 an interesting one. You're, you're right, and we don't we don't we don't talk about that system at all hardly. And right. the the K1 is a, is. It's not. It's not the best camera if you're going to be doing. Um, and, I'm, and I'm talking now with with modern modern lenses. They they haven't got a great particularly great reputation for for a fast AF and uh, doing wildlife and sports and things like that compared to the other guys. Um, but where it does uh, do extremely well is um, is. The, the slower stuff and, uh, and and there's also like a, there's a high res mode in there as well. Uh, yeah. So you can, you can get some incredibly detailed photographs. So, so if you're, if you're, a, if you're not interested in the fast stuff, then the K1 is a, is a really, really good option uh, for, yeah. you know, for landscapes and, uh, and whether uh, it be still life or perhaps architecture and things like that. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. System. It's funny. We sell those at the, at the shop
2: and pen, people who are going to buy a Pentax K digital camera, they just walk in and say, do you have it? And they buy it. They're not looking at anything else. They think like, they know that's what they want. So it's a, it's a, it's sort of a niche camera that has a real, uh, strong dedicated following.
0: Right. Well, okay. All
1: right. On to the next. Yeah. And, 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 um, in commemoration of episode 45, right? If we say anything that's wrong, um, it doesn't matter. It, 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 isn't, it <laughs> isn't really wrong. We, and we, no. In fact, we didn't say it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we didn't even say it. Right. Yeah. Good point. Just make it up as you go along. It's all good. Okay. Uh, subject, telezenar 90 millimeter. Hi, guys. I'm after a bit of help. I picked up a nice Schneider Telly telezenar at Wolverhampton camera fair yesterday, but Trying to find out anything about it is tricky. Apart from the odd international sale on eBay at five times what I paid for it, there's nothing I can find. Uh, It doesn't seem to exist on any of the Schneider historical lens sites. Hopefully, one of the three muses can help with info on this lens. Thanks, Nigel Cliff.
0: So well, did you sell this lens to Nigel? No, kind of? no, it was it wasn't one, one of mine. Uh, I was there at the uh, Wolverhampton Camera Fair. I did see Nigel and uh, he also took me took me to task for not mentioning that I saw him at the camera, at the uh, <laughs> at the Camera Fair. But I did say to him I see every camera fair. Um, <laughs> so uh well there you go. There you go. Um uh, I've not got a huge amount to say about this lens other than um it's got a, a ridiculous minimum um focus distance on it. Um, that's, that's the first thing that always jump, j- jumps out to me about that lens. It's, uh, the other thing is it's, it's a really good lens in terms of its sharpness. Um, and the third one is it's a Tessar as well, a tele Um, and that's pretty much the three things I know about that lens. So I don't know if anybody else can shed any more light
1: onto it. Right. I, I've, I've not had that lens. I've had the one, I've had a 135 and I've had a 35 millimeter, I think. And they both were really nice. Um, they had really long minimum focus distance. They had that interesting DKL mount. I don't know if this is one of those. And um it's interesting. There's another 90 millimeter Schneider that's a super Angulon, but it's an entirely different looking kind of yeah, lens. It's totally different. I I uh, have a, a similar
2: lens. I have the um, Tele Telezenar 75mm 3.8 for the robot camera, which is a a very interesting uh a little lens, um, not not quite the same, but 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 similar. So,
1: so yeah, I don't. I mean, that's uh, that, is this a DKL mount? I'm assuming, or I don't. I don't know. There's one on eBay right now that I'm looking at. It's not a DKL mount. I can't even tell what it is. It's mm. probably like Altix or something like that. I don't know. That's what it looks like. Something
0: different. actually, D- DKL mounts, I don't know if that's just something we want to talk about now. But you get the DKL mount for the Kodak Retina cameras, and you get the DKL mm. DKL for uh, the Snyder cameras. And if you have a an adapter, Voigtlander. Yeah, uh, but, you, yeah. Uh, but you have you can get an adapter for DKL, and both those lenses, whether it be for a, uh, a Kodak camera or the Voigtlander, will go into the adapter. But you can't interchange. The lenses into the into each camera, which is mm-hmm. more than annoying, right? Huh. Well, here's a hold on a second. So now I'm looking at
2: stuff here. I wonder if Carl's gonna go buy this. Uh, telly's in our 3.5 90 millimeter zebra zebra. Sorry for contacts. S. Pentax M42. So here's one I'm looking at right here. I don't know. See, I just I don't know which I don't know which mount he has. That 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 would kind of that. I mean. It, it's out there just kind of there's going to be different lenses depending on the mount i guess right right so yeah well okay well i don't know stumped us the chumps are stumped okay we're going to go on to the next one um subject mm, enlarging <laughs> hey jonas here again been enjoying the latest podcast and as simon mentions in the vfw podcast you make a good trio
0: Smiley face.
2: Anyhow, the a larger I, lens. I think, I think
0: Johnny, we should we should mention what the V F V is, and that's the viewfinder. Should we view f- <laughs> Yes, we should, uh, because I talk about you guys, and you guys still haven't listened. That's the uh, the the viewfinder Vikings podcast with Sven Olaf Humberset, uh, which is still out. It's I think it's still the current episode, uh, and, and you can find it in all good uh, uh, podcast uh, places. So uh, so there you go, and you guys should listen to it. It's it's interesting. Oh. I even talk about cool. you. We'll do that sometime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Okay.
2: <laughs> Anyhow, this enlarger lens business feels like a pretty untapped subject. Can, we, can you tell me more from your experiences with adapting them? What works and what don't? From printing, I've noticed that many enlarger lenses have simpler aperture blades, square bokeh, haha. And what about those light tunnels for aperture? confirmation in the dark i'm thinking they'd flare uh i believe i've got a nikkor 80 millimeter 2.8 somewhere so i'll see if i can make that to the screw mount bellows i really use should be able to get infinity with that on my minolta xd or x700 right cheers Colomatron. Colomatron, i think uh p.s get some guests on uh, that has actually tried the new Nikon's with a few real lenses! Exclamation point! I might be an analog nutter, but I guess you can call me. Did Did you curious? Winky face. Emoji.
0: All right. Okay. Well, we got a, f- a few things to talk about there. The, the yeah. first, the first one being, i um, Shouldn't be any problem at all putting that eighty mil. Uh, Nickel and larger lens on his uh, Minolta because yeah. uh, to get the the correct distance away from it, it's um, not going to run into any kind of flange distance errors. So it's uh, uh, problems, I should say. So it's just a matter of just getting it the the correct distance away from the the sensor or from the film plane. Um, how it is going to start off at M thirty nine? and He's probably going to find some way of getting that to M to M forty two, which is the easy bit. But so it's then M forty two to MD and then get some extension rings um, or a focusing helicoid is also going to help as well. So, uh, so it's quite, quite easy. I mean, generally speaking actually larger lenses are actually quite easy to adapt and they'll also yeah, adapt to yeah. most uh, DSLRs as well. Um, especially the longer the, uh, the, 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 length of the, the lens. So, you know, if it, say a 50 millimeter versus a 75, a 75 millimeter lens needs to be um, further away from the uh, from the film or from the from the sensor to get the infinity focus so the the, the longer the the lens in many respects the easier it is to uh, uh, to adapt um, as far as uh, aperture blades uh, they do tend to be um, uh, you don't get rounded aperture blades because it, it doesn't really matter about bokeh when you're using an enlarger lens. It just, it's just—it's just not a uh, a thing that, um, that 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 crops up. But is is right there that you do get these simpler blades. Um, they appear to be either uh, they can be to be four blades, or so it's usually actually two blades are close together um, into and give you these square shapes. And there's a couple of lens, a couple of enlarger lenses I can think of the top of my head. Um, you've got uh, Meopta do a couple of Bellar lenses, the uh, fifty millimeter and the seventy-five millimeter. I think they're both three, oh, they might be four-point-five lenses. I think, um, but you have to be very careful. You, if you, if you do want one of those with a that produces the the square aperture shape, um, because you can get this, you can get square bokeh and uh, wonderful effects out of that if you like that kind of thing, and they can be quite effective, um, but. Just because it's a Mayopter Bell R fifty three point five or uh, four, but what, whatever it is, doesn't necessarily mean it's one that's got the uh, the the, the four blades on it. So, you, if you if you are looking to buy one, then um, see if there are any pictures of the the lens stopped down. And if there if there isn't a picture of it, then get in touch with the seller and just ask them to uh, describe the shape uh, of what happens when the aperture closes down. If you if
1: you want that kind of lens. Um, so those lenses that you're describing are those C-mount lenses?
0: No, no, no. They they they're generally 30, um M thirty nine. Although okay. that's that's not necessarily the case. Um, right. You know, it's just there's some some odd odd sizes out there, and sometimes you have to use a combination of adapters just to get it to thirty nine millimeter. Uh, Remember,
1: we had some that were C-mount back in the day when we had our EM ones. I don't think there was seamount. mount. Well, the one that they... I had, the one that I had was it was really tiny, and I had to get a special um, adapter ring that had a place to put a C mount into the into the ring, and it didn't um, vignette with that small micro 4 four third sensor. Are you thinking
0: that? Are you, are you not thinking about when you? Were...
1: I'm thinking about that little Schneider lens that I have. No,
0: I, I thought I thought you were thinking about when we first were using the the slim M42 to M43 adapter. It just happened and. and it just had to have a C-mount mount in it, but you would actually ignore that and you would just screw your uh, your, your helicoid into it instead.
1: I'm just wondering if you're confusing it with that. So. I'll have to look when I get home. I think that little Schneider lens in the pretty little blue box is a C-mount lens. Maybe maybe not. I don't know. But the, the squares are cool. They look better when they're diamonds, so turn it a little bit when you take the photo and get the diamonds. Yeah. yeah. I like... I like an, inter- Johnny, you really like those... Um, of stars that I made the other day, didn't you, with my Canon lens? Yeah, I did. I, never, yeah.
2: <laughs> I didn't have any problem with those. They're, they worked for me.
1: except the, Your answer to why is it like this? <laughs> is it, is it in order to run your poker. <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked me for the answer, didn't you? <laughs> I didn't ask. Them. Someone asked. What was the purpose?
2: <laughs> and that's all I have to say about that. Yeah.
0: um Just well, just a just a couple more things on 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 this one. Um, and he mentions about the uh, oh, where's where's he put it now about the uh, the the light tunnels for aperture confirmation. Some, some of oh these, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Some of these lenses have got that like openings in the side of the lens that can potentially right. let light back through them. And uh, I've I've not used one of those, but if that ever came, to, ever, if that was ever a problem, I'd just tape the tape the, the hole up. If it was gonna, if it was going to let light yeah. into it, then just just a little bit of black tape. Exactly, that would deal tape. with it. Yeah, yeah. And his other point there was. Um, uh, could you get a guest on who's actually tried the new Nikon's with a few real lenses? Um, and we will have Ken Rockwell on in a future episode. Well, that's that's the point, but that leads me on to the point there that uh, Ken has now um, adapted some LTM lenses to a Z7. Did he say it was a big waste of time? He didn't. No. No, <clears throat> no. This is this is the big news, um, and it's worth people uh, heading over to uh, Ken's site and supporting his uh, ever-growing family um, to have a have a read of what he's, what he's actually just said. Because it, it it certainly appears from what he's saying there that the the problem that um, affects Sony cameras. When using wide-angle LTM lenses, uh, you can sometimes get—well, you just do actually—you get uh, smudging in the in the edges because of the uh, the angle of incidence of the light hitting the corners of the uh, of the sensor. Dave, um, there is something different going on with the with the Nikon. I'm sure it's a Z7 uh sensor in particular he's talking about whether this applies to the the other model because of course there are two Z, Z uh cameras but he's saying that the, the problems that were occurring on sony are not occurring on the new nikon which is ah. pretty big news hmm. yeah Now i get to hold one
1: two weeks two weeks ago and just play with it a little bit my uh my friend got a, Z, a Z, not a Z is that a z7 and um he had a couple of lenses that he bought with it that were the autofocus lenses. But he brought this. This is a guy that I know who has um, a lot of very old Nikon's back to, to the first SLR and and all of the lenses, maybe more than more than fifty lenses. And and now he has a Z seven, and he had along with him a an AI twenty millimeter, and um, it looked pretty nice. It looked pretty nice. But that's that that isn't a lens that that has a problem on the Sony.
0: I don't think any of the SLR lenses have got, got nah, an issue. It's, nah. it's, it's all about the lenses nah. that sit close to the, uh, to the yeah. film plane and therefore yeah. the yeah. sensors, the problems. So good news from Nick on there, potentially. Okay. Very good. All right. On to the next
2: onward. We go to an email from Ben Reynolds subject, digital body dilemma, exclamation point. Hi Simon. As you asked on Instagram, I thought I would write to ask for the podcast's auspicious opinion on a dilemma I have over digital body choice. Uh, Money, no object, I would be buying the new Fuji GFX50R straight away, but that is not an option right now, ellipses. The reason I got back into film 18 months ago was that I needed a new camera, and a lot of cameras I lusted over as a teenager were affordable now. Uh, A lot of gas, uh, Fuji G, um, GW, 693, Fuji, GA, 645, Bronica, E-T-R-S-I, Kit, and So, and Intrepid. Uh, later, I realized that I need a digital for those moments where film either isn't practical or doesn't give me what I want. Um, I would like to do some commercial work, and Eric Sluice made a great point when he said that clients don't care if you're working with film. They want results, and they want them now! Exclamation point. So, to my dilemma, ellipses, I was going, wait. I was going to. I think he means buy. I was going to buy the food, the new Fuji XT3, about sixteen hundred pounds with the eighteen to fifty-five. But Eric mentioned that the Sony A7 II is still available new. Uh, I can get the body and the twenty-eight to seventy with cash back for around eleven hundred pounds, uh, which, by the economics of the gas-driven camera nerd gives me 500 pounds to spend on other glass. So my question for you is, which would you go for ultra modern APS-C or older full frame with some budget for classic glass? I'm hoping the sales will be on again around Christmas. So please let me know so I can blow my cash before the year is out. Either way, I will probably buy an adapter for my Bronica lens. Uh, I love the images I get with that camera. Oh, and that Canon FD-135 F2 is stunning. How much do they normally go for? Thanks for your help. Uh, and all three of you for a fantastic podcast. Cheers. Ben Reynolds. Oh, he is Captain Badbeard on, tw- on Twitter. That's awesome. <laughs> Captain <laughs> Badbeard.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um, Johnny, do you want to go first on this one? Yeah, buy the Sony. <laughs> Well, you, can, you can you can you can say more than that. I'm sure you can. I
2: mean, uh, and you, well, actually, I can I, I can I can tell you that the the sales that are on right now aren't going to get any better because I've <laughs> I have all the I have all the paperwork from all the manufacturers with all the discounts and they're not going to get lower than they are uh, right now. So I mean, there they, they, there may be additional stuff coming for Christmas, but Fuji's instant rebates are set through the end of the year. Um, don't know about about Sony's, but I know that Fuji's are all set. So the Fuji's not going to get any, any cheaper is what I'm saying. So. Mm.
0: Okay. Well, on the, on, on the camera front, I mean, that, that's the start of the top. Um, what he would love if, uh, if he could afford it would be the GFX 50R, uh, which is an interesting camera for, for, for adapting anyway. Yeah, um, for sure. because it's, 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 it's I, I always, I always, hesitate um when it's described as uh as medium format because it's it's small it's larger than full frame but it's smaller than a conventional uh medium format uh format so so, so to speak and uh, the smallest medium format that i tend to think of is uh, six, six, uh four,
2: 127
0: 828 those are all medium format too just saying okay so how do how but do again they... this is the show where we can say whatever we want, and it's all true. Yeah. Well, now you've <laughs> corrected me. Do you want to tell us a bit more about those two formats and how they compare to the uh, GFX50R? Oh. Well, I'm just saying anything larger technically in the film
2: world than 35 millimeter, above that is considered medium format.
0: So mm. that's all. All I'm saying. Yeah. So, well, in the strictest in the strictest sense, it, it, the 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 Fuji is medium format, and, and it is. You know, I'm 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 being. Lit. It is a 43.8 by 32.9 millimeter sensor, to be
2: precise. Yeah. Yeah. So 43.8 is bigger than 36. Right? It is. It's and 32.9 is bigger than 24, unless we decide it's not, and then that's true as well.
0: Well, the, the episode the, forty-five. Yeah, the interesting uh, point on this is that many um, full-frame SLR lenses, yeah, uh, will will cover uh, Most the, the sensor. Yeah, um, I think uh, the MD lenses seem to uh, seem to be a, a popular. Uh, choice for uh, for these uh, GFX uh, cameras, but so I'm I'm hearing they they have a larger image circle than, than than some others. I don't know how true that is, but that's certainly something that I've I've been hearing. Um, and it's, it's 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 it is interesting because you know it's it's this equivalence thing. Um, so a 50 millimeter lens on on the GFX. Uh, if it widens the f- the field of view effectively. So it, I'm not sure what it becomes. I don't know if it's a 42 millimeter lens or, or or something like that. But what you, what you're definitely doing is introducing more of what's going on outside the normal um, image circle. Uh, and certainly with, with many lenses when you go beyond the, the limits of uh, of the lens. So if you're using say a, a lens, like, like some of the pen lenses, for instance, the, the, um, Olympus pen lenses for the film cameras, uh, the, the, a lot of them will vignette. In fact, most of them will probably vignette on on full frame. Not all of them. I know that the thirty eight one point eight doesn't vignette, but the the quality in the edges is you can you can see that drop off. Because ultimately, why spend the time and the engineering to to make the edges of a lens that's only going to cover a smaller sensor? Why 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 work on that when it's never going to get used? And the same is going to apply with uh, full frame uh, lenses working on this larger, larger sensor. But the flip side of that, of course, is, you know, we, we'd like to use these older, older lenses because of some of the things they don't do particularly well. And so you could, you could argue, you're going to get some quite interesting effects that were are not normally available to us by using this larger sensor. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: I know what I do about his, um, <clears throat> question though. <laughs> Can you guess? I'd buy i I'd, I'd, i think to be complete with digital bodies i'd want i'd want to have two because I, I really like having two and i use them both all the time with different lenses and, and that, i'd try to find an, uh, a used Xe2 so you'd have a nice small street camera for some, using smaller lenses and then i'd and then I'd buy that sony without that crappy um, autofocus lens for a lower price and i'd use it for SLR lenses because the you have to experience it. Simon's experience that I have some of the and I've thought we've talked about this before, but there are a number of SLR lenses that are just amazing on the Sony compared to what they look like on APS-C or Micro Four Thirds.
0: That was what I would do. by the Sony.
2: Okay, are we uh, still going? Uh,
0: yeah. Well, I've, I've just 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 my, my, my take on it is I, I agree with um, with 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 Eric. Uh, when he made his decision to go for an a7 mark II um, yeah. because just the, the the price of them and and again I wouldn't I wouldn't buy the, uh, the the kit lens with it it's one of those things where it's it's cheap and it's coming with it and then you'll just never use it um perhaps you might sell it but you probably won't get as much back for it for how much you paid for it so you're probably actually better off just just buying the the body um yeah it, it's it's you know, from from the perspective of using old lenses i i say use the uh use the format with the the lenses are designed for um yeah. simple, simple as that because i just think it, you just get the best but the best look of the of of the lens uh, that's not to say you can't get good looking photos with uh an aps c camera or a micro four third camera uh, because you absolutely can and there are Ooh. plenty of people that are perfectly happy with that and will always be happy with that and that's great um you know, it's, it's just down to how you want to Use your yep. camera and how you want your shots to look, I guess.
2: So the one thing I will say, just reading through his his question again, if he's talking about using the digital camera he's going to get with the system lenses that come with the camera, <laughs> nobody needs a freaking full-frame digital camera. Nobody. Almost nobody. Professionals need it. Uh, you know, maybe landscape photographers, Maybe. But if you're going to use the system lenses that come with the system on that camera, then all you're doing with the Sony is spending more money to get maybe some negligible negligible image quality pluses if you're making big, big hard copy prints, but you're never going to see it if you're talking about viewing digital images. And I'm talking, again, not about this lens adapting bullshit that we do, which is not what most of the world does. I'm talking about using the camera as it's intended with the lenses manufactured for it that, you know, Sony likes to call Zeiss lenses or the Fuji lenses. Um, There is no bloody reason that you need to do that. There just isn't.
1: But, but he want wants to it, adapt. He wants to adapt. But, over but he's lenses.
2: sort of saying, though, he wants to do both. That is, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If he wants to adapt lenses, buy the Sony. If he wants to use the digital as a digital with the digital autofocus lenses, you don't need the Sony. I'm just saying. Because he's asking rubber,
1: specifically rubber about rubber the line. Canon FD 135
2: f2. Right, right, so right. If- I, but I only so mentioned because he's talking about using the digital in situations where it isn't practical to use film. So if he's going to use them, that's uh, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. But it, since he wants to do both, I would say buy the Sony because yeah. he'd probably be happier.
1: Because he could get that. Um, Especially well, that, if you that, don't that,
2: care about dials and you like you know, crappy hunt, menus you, and, Canon and, and bullshit software. And, and you like your camera to get marked up really quick and look crappy. You'll be very happy with the Sony.
1: Yeah, well... He's going to use. He's going to use a lot of that money that he has left over after he buys the Sony yeah. to get this um, Canon lens. Yeah. Well, they're going to be. It's going to be about four hundred dollars.
0: So he got plenty of money. Yep. Right. I think that's where the the problem is. I I, I totally agree with, with 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 Johnny. I mean, if if you're primarily a digital shooter, um, mm. there's there's no real compelling reason uh, to go to um, uh, full frame i say no real compelling reason the the vast majority of users are not really going to get the benefit of of going full frame um, because if you're just after clean digital sharp shots then uh, an apsc sensor a quality apsc sensor is going to deliver images that are just as good or or fractionally not quite as good or sometimes better depending on the, how you actually process the images and the kind of shot you want and I mentioned a few weeks ago I, I've seen a well I yeah I've seen a, a micro four thirds uh, image printed to about 40 inches wide something like that maybe maybe bigger actually it, it was it was big and um, and it looked great and that's with a tiny Micro Four Thirds sensor. So, yeah, it, yeah you, you only really see. Yeah, you know, I I got annoyed with Micro Four Thirds because of the, how it looked like when I was looking at pictures on Facebook, mm. and uh, and I didn't like the the graininess in the uh, in the out of focus areas, and and that to me is the main reason why I moved over to Sony wasn't actually because I wanted to use the lenses in the way that they were configured. It was because I was getting really annoyed with the, the out of focus areas. Um, and then once I actually got there, I was thinking, well, yeah, these lenses now working properly. So it was a, it was a double win for me. Um, but Mm -hmm. yeah, if you're printing stuff, Full full frame is uh, is is not is not strictly necessary by any stretch of the imagination, and I think a Fuji system is absolutely excellent if you're going to be using it, using it digitally, and you can get some great photos with it by using the uh, adapted lenses. What you're not going to get, unless you have a the is it the XH one, um, unless you're having you're going to spend the money on that one, you won't get stabilization, uh, which to me is a big deal. Although. <laughs> I went a week with my uh, steady shot of my Sony switched off and I didn't know it. (laughs) So, so, uh, you know, um, perhaps it's not, Ibis is not the be all to end all as I, as I keep on saying many, many occasions. So, uh, (laughs) um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, you can't, you can't, there are no bad cameras out there. You can't really go wrong. Um, and, um, yeah, take take your pick, man. I'm not too sure if we've just helped you there because we, <laughs> I'm sort of telling you to go to uh to Fuji now, and uh, Johnny's telling you to go to to uh, to Sony, and we both got the opposite system. So there you go.
1: The Johnny's saying that though jokingly, he doesn't really like Sony cameras.
2: No, I'm serious. If he's gonna if he's gonna <laughs> use it primarily for digital, get the damn Sony. You'll if you really have a hard on for your lenses of 50 millimeter, having the 50 millimeter angle of view, get the Sony. You'll you'll love it. It's great.
0: Actually, that is that is the point. though. I mean, if as a film shooter, I came into the photography as a film shooter, and when I was using the Micro Four Thirds, I al- when I picked a lens up, I always had to do a mental calculation as to what this fifty millimeter lens would look like. It's a fifty millimeter lens, therefore it's going to it's going to act like a one hundred millimeter lens. But I knew what a fifty millimeter millimeter lens should look like, and when I put it on the camera, it didn't do what it was designed to do and that always irritated me a little bit but mainly at the wide angle lenses rather than at the uh, uh the the longer ones so if if ben is used to using 35 millimeter lenses then in the way that they're actually meant to work then it's going sony's a, a certainly a more natural way of doing things yeah unless you just look through the viewfinder and it is what it is which
2: is i I mean i came to it from film too i just looked at the viewfinder and what i seen the viewfinder is what it is and it's fine when i'm in the ireland i drive on the wrong side of the road whatever i don't care it's all fine just whatever you know it's all good yeah (laughs) that's just me there you go so hopefully we've helped you there ben (laughs) not at all sorry (laughs) Ben. (laughs) okay on or we go Uh, To a from Devlin Cook Subject read me Triple exclamation point Please in parentheses in quotes in in brackets Dear Simon, Carl and Johnny If you're reading this it means I've made it to the top of the pile Yes you have indeed Mr. Devlin Cook Just uh, a quick thanks for the great work You're all doing as an avid listener I've thoroughly enjoyed all the shows And often have you playing while I'm Walking the streets Hopefully walking the streets (laughs) Taking photos you mean uh, one gripe would like uh, w- one gripe would be all the additional credit card charges I seem to be have accrued. I'm not sure I can blame you completely, but I'll go ahead and try anyway! Exclamation point. Lately, I've been driving down the Nikon Nikor. I'm with Simon on the pronunciation, by the way. So Nikon Nikor, rabbit hole. Um, do you, do you, how do you say rabbit in the UK? Just like you do. Okay, very good. And after going back through previous episodes looking for Nikkor lenses, I quickly gathered up such fine pieces as the 105 2.5 Sonar, uh, the one, uh, the 55 1.2 SC, and a few more. Uh, Johnny, as always, it was great to see you the other day in the store. Sadly, the F2 I was using has since been sent back to the seller after receiving the package. And going through my ceremonial frenzied opening, I gave it a quick once-over, cycled through all the shutter speeds, all sounded and looked good, including my uh, shooting pose in the mirror. <laughs> 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 Soon after, I was on the go, uh, go train to Chicago Union Station, listening to episode 43 and visualizing the great art I was about to create. They went perfectly, and I shot two rolls with the new camera, which, by the way, is a sheer pleasure to use. Um, After I was back home, I quickly developed the rolls, and I pulled them out of the tank. I'm always excited doing this, but even more so when it's a new camera. I was dismayed to see that more than half the frames were either blank or severely underexposed. turns out the shutter was either partially opening or not opening at all when used at higher shutter speeds. And since researching, it seems this problem is quite common with the F2. Um, unfortunately, it's quite often unnoticed by sellers as the mirror still lifts and drops so it will sound and feel quite normal when checking. Anywho, I've been discouraged. Uh, I have not been discouraged. The old one is being returned and a new one has been ordered, prompt, prompted in part by the fact that I now have five pre-AI lenses that would be useless to me. Um, well, I'd best start signing off and let you get back to the podcast or for some of you, ending your and you are ending now auction purchases. Uh, I've also attached one of the pictures that survived from those two roles in Chicago. While cruising the streets, I spotted this dapper young chap loitering outside a shop and using Anna Mysteries, uh tips for candid portraits, approached Shiley, asked if I could take his picture. Luckily, he said yes and proved a good subject, if a little chatty. Um, it was shot in Ilford at Pan F., with the knee core spelled N E E E E E K K O R 51.2, and Stan developed a before being scanned using my trusty Pacon, uh, th- or Pacon, depending on how you want to say it. Um, uh, thanks again for the great show and look forward to next installment. Cheers, Devlin. So, yes, Devlin is Devlin. We've t- we've mentioned him a few times. Hopefully, um, people have followed the link to his street photography, which is really, really excellent. Um, and I've talked to him a few times in the shop at central camera. He's is, he's an awesome guy. And, uh, when he was in town, as he mentioned, he had, um, the F2 and a really, I got to say, you know, beautiful 55, 1.2, um, on that camera, it looked really great. I mean, it was like, it was, it was pristine. Um, and he picked up, we had a, uh, a black standard prism for the Nikon, which he picked up and I got a, he got a couple of lens hoods and a couple of other odds and ends. But anyway, yeah, it was, it was super cool to see him again. Um, and I'm really sorry to hear about that F2. I wish I had known because I, we have like, we have like a dozen and a half F2s at the, at the shop and nobody seems to want them. So if anybody needs a really nice F2, please let me know
0: and I can hook you up. It's it's good to see that Devlin also went for the uh, for the sonar version of the uh, Nikon yeah. uh, one hundred and five two point five. Yeah. That's the uh, the the version recommended by the Classic Lenses Podcast. Absolutely. Um, actually, the other thing is we didn't actually get the attachment uh, meant to. Actually, no, I don't
2: think we did because I didn't. I thought maybe yeah.
0: just you didn't send it, Carl or Simon, but we did It didn't come through. No, I
2: no. didn't. I didn't get it. So all right, uh, so Devlin, please please resend. We'd like yeah. to see it.
0: Or post yeah. it in the group. Post it in post the group. In well, he's uh, oh, that He's was not on, fa- he's on Facebook. So. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, send, send, send it to us, and we'll we'll print. He's like those uh, Sunny Sixteen folks. He's not really a Facebook guy. So. Yeah. I see. It's all I good. See.
2: Okay. All right. So, shall we go forward? We have uh, one and a half. I'll call it one and a half. It's really two because it's same from the same person. So it's really like one big email with two parts. So. We're going to dive right in, unless you guys want to say otherwise or take a little potty break or whatever you want to do. But we are men with big bladders here on the Classic Lenses Podcast. This ain't no back in paper. This ain't no sunny 16. The bladders are just like, like huge. And we have the biggest bladders. We have the best bladders. There's nothing wrong with these bladders. These bladders are big. Look at these bladders. <laughs> Episode 45 continues. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, Lawrence Dunn. Uh, subject: Shooting panels. Hi guys, this email is specifically about shooting panels. This response has largely been driven by Johnny's posting his recent film panels with his christened Super Panavision, which I have loved. Um, when I shoot panels, I tend to use digital cameras. Was canon 5d2 but now more likely uh, sony a7r3 and since owning it the canon 24 tse2 has been my lens of choice for panos okay not a classic lens in the true sense but it is manual focus um, i can use the 24 tse to shoot panos in one of two ways um, unshifted slash untilted using just a central sweet spot of the Oversize image circle and using a leveling base nodal point rails, blah, rail set up on my tripod, or B, making use of the shift capability of the 24 TSC to take three shots central, uh, full shift left, full shift right. So three shots and stitching together is what i I believe what he's saying there Um, johnny's super vision film camera avoids the need to stitch however and got me thinking about shooting panels on a single digital frame Um, i posted a lighthearted but semi-serious post about using black electrical insulating tape to add borders top and bottom to the camera's lcd to help visualize the frame in widescreen slash panel format. This got me playing around with an old Olympus's 16mm fisheye to get the field of view and panel feel on a single frame. Um, it was a fun, quite effective setup, including the tape, but it does still mean you end up cropping and throwing away a lot of area the sensor is capable of capturing. It got me thinking and onto my question, and back to the subject of lenses, uh, half smiley face. Okay, um, and
1: I need to take a break and go pee. No, go ahead. Oh,
2: come on, Carl. <laughs> Couldn't you just, like, sneak off and not say anything? No, you've just ruined our whole iron bladder thing. The best bladders. Really?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, go ahead. Uh, Keep going. Okay.
2: Hold on a second. Carl? Keep going. Keep going. Okay, I'm you here. are still there. I thought you were going to run off and we were going to talk about you while you were gone. Yeah.
1: Okay, I wouldn't let you do that. Go.
2: Okay. All right. All right. Um, So continuing on, have any of you thought about or even tried using an anamorphic lens to shoot a stills pano? It seems such an obvious thing to do after all. Cinema has used anamorphic lenses to get their widescreen formats and 35 millimeter film in the past. So why not just use one When shooting Panorama 2, the image would be stretched vertically, squished horizontally, making full use of the digital sensor. But that distortion can easily be corrected in post, stretching out the image to in the horizontal to create the widescreen panel aspect ratio. Is this another lens gas opportunity? Winky emoji. Classic lenses. Uh, 4.11 a.m. four hours ago. To me, Carl. Update to previous email. I think that leads us into the next one. Should we pause there and...
0: No, I think we've, let's, let's go but straight into the... Carl, the, the yeah, I, wanna, I was
1: going okay, so Let's do the next one. Thing. Yeah. He's still there? Okay.
0: Yep. Uh, forward message. Lawrence
2: Dunn. Subject, reshooting panels update. Part two. Um, I've just put my money where my mouth was. I've got gas. I've bought an old anamorphic lens adapter to try out. Exclamation point. I think it's going to have multiple effects. A... Full resolution. Oh wait, full sensor resolution. Resolution used. Use no loss due to cropping to get panorama. B. Force Panavision slash widescreen slash panorama shooting slash framing slash thinking. But this might be challenging because the widescreen view will be more squashed into the four x three format of viewfinder slash LCD. So may take some learning exclamation point. C. Out of focus highlights will take on a different form oval d increased flare with strong horizontal tendencies to be introduced e uh i think i said that right slash medium format like effect with widescreen capture plus shallow depth of field uh lots of ellipses and i can still use it with my old glass i see most of the above as positive. imperfections add character right Winky emoji. The negatives I can see. A. Hey, how you doing there, Carl?
1: I'm doing fine.
2: Okay, he's still there. The negatives I can see. A hey, the anamorphic lens needs to be separately focused to the taking lens. You have two focusing operations uh, to do slash get wrong. B, physical size and weight of the anamorphic lens hanging off the front of the taking lens. Uh, C, vignetting when using a primary lens too wide and slash or when shooting wide open. D, issues with C might mean I can shoot as wide a focal length as I'd otherwise like. Uh, E, filters are going to be problematic. F, getting a clamp to attach the anamorphic to the primary lens may be an issue. G, all of the above might result in preferring to sh- just shoot with a wide, single, and crop Panavision formats and suffer loss of that resolution from cropping. It's not like you can't afford to lose resolution when shooting a camera like the Sony A7R2-3 with 42 MFing megapixels. It would be an interesting experiment, if nothing else. I have no idea if it's going to work or not. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody still with us there, other than
1: Carl? <laughs> um, <Yeah.
0: laughs> I mean, like, where do you start there? Um, I, I, I think I think Lawrence has, has has pretty much gone through all all the the potential things. Well, that, that we can probably think of. Uh, I mean, I've I have actually tried to use uh, an anamorphic lens um, mm-hmm. with pretty much zero success. <laughs> um, i mean I, I wasn't at home and i didn't have a full range of lenses to try them on although i did have quite a few with me and i I've really struggled to get anything um that was usable from it um did you do all the stretching afterwards and stuff in post Well, well no i couldn't even get the i could i, I struggled to get a, a picture in focus let, let alone oh. Um, any of the the I didn't get as far as post post processing. You know, it it just okay. Everything just looked awful. Um, yeah. And the the I mean, the other side of it is I you know, I was screwing the lens, the anamorphic lens, into the filter thread. Of whichever lens I was trying to get it into, yeah. and and I'm pretty sure that's not the right way to do things. Um, plus, the, the filter threads weren't compatible anyway. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there was always that risk of it's going to drop off a minute, or it's going to rip the uh, rip part of the front of my lens off, the nameplate of the lens, or something, something like that. Mm. Um, but I, I, I believe you've got to have the right focal length to match the anamorphic lens as well, I believe. Um, do, do you have any experience on anamorphic, Johnny? Well, I mean, a little
2: bit. And I i, I've, I, I have people come into the shop looking specifically for anamorphic lenses. Although most of my, I will say, are, are film still, or sorry, are cinematography folks. They're not still shooters. But I do get people coming in to look for them that are doing still photography. And it's because they are roughly going down the same road and they also want that stretched highlight uh, uh um, anamorphic look. So they, you know, they, they, they specifically want a certain bokeh look and highlight look, which is, you know, which is what they want, which is fine if that's what they want. Um So, I mean, yeah, I know people who people are doing it, you know, it, to me, it seems like an awful lot of work. <laughs> I, I don't know. It seems like an awful lot of work to get that effect. But I, I, mean, hey, you know, why not? I mean, if you're doing it in digital, it's pretty easy to to mess around with it after the fact, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Well, this this might be something that in a in a future podcast we might know a little bit more about it because we're getting ever closer to actually having a, a cinematographer, yeah, right, um, being yeah. being on the show, and uh, yeah. and the person okay. that we're thinking about is extremely experienced yeah. so um so anamorphic is i think we should put that uh, definitely into the box of questions that we'll we'll be asking him when he uh, when he yeah. when he joins, joins us yeah
2: per, I, per, I mean me personally I, I again i just look through the viewfinder and whatever's in the viewfinder is how i how i work which is why i don't really care about apsc you know it isn't problematic but I, I mean i that's why the what i i talk about the pocket panavision or the poor man's x-pan i i like the camera because the viewfinder is in panorama mode already so i'm you know i just like composing that way so i i so to me i don't know it seems like a lot of work to get uh a a a pano image to do all that but hey whatever it's fun experiment i mean there's it's not wrong it's just a different way to do it
1: so. it's an interesting it's an interesting topic and um yeah you know, after all this reading of the email and talking about it you know there may be people that still you know aren't quite understanding uh, you know <laughs> what, what what the underlying issue is and because sure i mean i could put my camera on a tripod and it's really easy to do a panoramic and just stitch a bunch of photos together but i can't see hmm. what the image is going to look like before <laughs> i bring it into the computer and do the stitching. So. Um, that's the whole idea is being able to see what you're going to get right? And, and, and then be able to frame it properly. I yeah. like that little yeah. camera that you have. I, I saw one on eBay, um, and it had a lot of the blue chipped off and had black showing through, but it looked kind of yeah. cool. And it wasn't on, not, yeah, on. that expensive.
2: No, if you can find one for under 100 bucks, that's like the – to me, that's yeah. the cutoff. Like if it was I like 89 it, bucks. And um, Yeah, that's right. There you go. So, I mean, uh, if you can get one well, for under $100. Really
1: bucks, working, is it pretty low risk that it's going to work?
2: You know, I got to say I have three of them now and all three, the only thing I, uh, one of them, when I rewind it, it doesn't rewind all the way in one go, like it stops. And I have yeah. to push the force rewind like twice, two extra times to get it to actually rewind the entire roll. That's yeah. the only problem I've had with any of them. They seem to just be, they work really well Um, to the point yeah. where I've got a, I have a third one that I loan out to people because everybody wants to borrow mine. So I've got one, I have one out on loan right now. So um but yeah, I don't know. If you can find one for a hundred bucks, pick it up. They're they're just crazy fun.
1: I might get one. it would be something additional fun to do.
2: Do it. Do it. Do it do it before the podcast is over. Do you need a potty know. break, Carl, before you go buy one? We could we could arrange I, that.
1: I don't remember the name of the camera, so I can't I can't look it up.
2: Well, it shows up as the either Minolta um P P's like P apostrophe S. Get it, Carl? P's. Got a peas, Carl? Yep, got it. Okay, Um, or it shows up as the Freedom Vista, but it's got to be the Freedom. They made some Freedom Vistas that are like zoom lens, you know, with a fake panorama. This one is like full time panorama. So you just got to make sure it's the right one. And I'm not really the viewfinder Uh is like literally, you know, it panorama format. So.
1: I'm not really going to buy one. I have too many film cameras, and I'm not using them enough. So, and and I'm still having fun after.
2: You could fit three of these time. in the
1: pocket of your mom jeans, though. This is like seriously a
2: real pocket camera. It's yeah. super, super thin. It's it's, a- th- it's thinner than a the uh, Olympus stylish slash Mew that everybody is
0: like Gaga over. It's even thinner than that. Yeah. Um, before we go on to the the, the final um, email. Uh, i just realized i forgot to answer part of uh, ben's question and that was about prices of uh, canon fd uh, 135 f2s and uh, suddenly in the uk you're looking at probably around about 150 pounds for something rough Um, probably up to maybe 400 pounds for something in in nice condition Uh, the one i have has been is, is full of fungus it's been dropped several times and rolled down the street and it still takes great photos. So, uh, if you can if you can live with an ugly lens, um, then they're were, they're were a great lens. So don't worry too much about what it looks like. So if you want to do it on the cheap,
1: I just bought something on eBay, Johnny. <laughs>
2: What'd you get? <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: no, nah, I needed a new. Um screen protector for my lcd and oh, my oh that doesn't count
0: boring. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: the bell the bell I, song
0: the bell sound needs to be removed now yeah I know, can was, do that. how can i do I'm
1: that in editing the, the conversation was getting kind of boring so i multitasked <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well let's move on let's do the final email um so uh, simon I, I, I
2: if i'm not mistaken because I, I i thought that was the last one but th- is this the one from uh ian fleming it is Okay, excellent. I just, I just another
1: one, one from Ian Fleming. Another the, one the the gray flex, but this is one for John, for Simon mostly, isn't it? Or uh, is it? All I, right. Anyway, I don't know, let's so see. We'll but, uh, John is going to prove otherwise now.
2: Okay. Ian Fleming from Ian Fleming, subject projector lenses. Dear Simon, Carl, and Johnny, is there any mileage in doing a piece on these lovely lenses? My RB telegraphlex has been fitted with a lovely three point five Buell lens. There are a lot of lenses available for good prices, but I wonder if anyone has more experience. Um, Jeffrey Perry did my Graflex restoration, jeffrey.who on IG, um, Instagram. He modified the lens to fit large format. I think it's the front of a zoom. Um, the smaller lenses would obviously cover a 35 millimeter full frame. There's no shutter mounting could be interesting. Regards, Ian Fleming. All I know is that I would prefer to not think too hard about the uh, Graflex. I assume he's talking about a Graflex SLR large format camera, which I desperately would like to get one of these. So I'm trying to just not think about those cameras because I can't afford one.
0: Yeah. And I've, well, I I picked up, it's not an enlarger lens, but the principles are the same. Um, yeah. Kodak um, Aero Ectar. Which is a lens uh, if most large format cameras you use a shutter that's uh, that that fits effectively inside the lens, uh, the front of the lens would screw into the shutter at the front, and uh, part of the lens would screw into the shutter at the back and so you've got the shutter inside the lens whereas uh, something like a um, or oh, a speed graphic or a MPP micropress have got a large focal plane shutter, which means that you could put a uh, a, a, a large-scale lens in front of it and use it as a conventional lens, and it's, it's just like you would do with a, an SLR. Um, although, uh, in the case of my Aero Ektar, it has actually got an aperture in it, whereas projector lenses don't have apertures. So uh, that's something I'm, I'm looking into at the moment as far as on, on large format, because I now have a lens and no no means of using it. Uh, which is obviously a situation that cannot be allowed to continue, <laughs> um, <laughs> unless it's for your Hasselblad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, but the downside is I, I can't afford another camera at the moment, so that. <clears throat> that's just going to have to wait. Um, but lens, uh, adapting projection lenses, I think that's certainly um, going to be a topic for a, a, a future show, and, and potentially in the same way with uh, we, we can talk more about enlarger lenses. And uh, and certainly one of our listeners we've been wanting to get onto the show for a very long time in Australia. And that'll be Phil. Images by Phil. He does lots of wonderful things with all sorts of wonderful lenses.
1: And yeah, we could uh, talk about all of this stuff with Phil. Phil yeah. would be a wonderful guest to have. Yeah.
0: So yeah. Phil, we want we need to find a way of getting you on. Uh, we we hopefully we can find a way of speeding your internet up so you can actually talk to us, and uh, and then we'll just make the effort to actually all be on the podcast. At the I same just time, had a crazy idea.
2: Go for I'm it. just going to throw this out here, right here on the uh-huh. podcast. Yeah. We need to get Phil. Hooked up with none other than you know where I'm going with this, right? He's in ah, Yes. Ah, why yes. not? Would that be an amazing to get those two together on one podcast? The it, it could be a podcast just by
0: itself, and and oh, yeah. oh, totally
2: okay. How far are they?
1: I mean,
0: it's a big country.
2: Oh, it doesn't matter. Cheyenne will do it. Cheyenne, come on. Cheyenne's like he he's writing research papers on lenses we buy and stuff. He's got time. Cheyenne, we need to get you and Phil hooked up. Aren't they in the same place? I don't remember. So I don't same know. country, definitely.
0: Well, the same they're country, but I the thought they were in roughly this.
2: All right, anyway, we'll take this We'll take this offline, but that's... The... a good idea. Oh, this would be like a Christmas gift to the world if we could get those two <laughs> on together. That'd be great. <laughs> or a Hanukkah gift to the world. Yeah.
1: So while you guys were talking about this other stuff, I've been looking at eBay, there's adapters for almost, well, for most of the main lenses that we adapt... There are adapters now out for the Nikon Z. There's the FD. There's an M42. There's an M. There's an ltm um, 39 By Photosy, Photodiox, Pixco, all the typical companies. They're all coming in with it, adapters. It's,
2: it's funny you mention this, Carl, because somebody I heard, I had somebody mention that they just picked up uh, one of these adapters also. And, and I looked around because I'm thinking, yeah, but these are absolute bullshit. Adapters at this point because the camera hasn't been out long enough, but I think I even saw Novaflex has a line of uh, adapters for that. I see one, an yeah. M to a Z. Yeah, so if Novaflex has got them, I mean, then you know, I know hey.
0: that K, K and F are working on it. They haven't actually released any yet, but they're definitely working on it. Cool. Well, there you have it. That's it. So, should we should we bring things to an end? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you need to take a potty break first? No, I think we I think Carl can get through this now.
1: I, I, I uh, the Kapati was a joke. The, the milk and cookies was serious. Oh, okay. Uh, I heard about the milk and cookies driving in this morning, and I thought we're really getting shortchanged on this. And uh, no milk, no cookies, none of those goodies.
0: All right. Well, uh, let's, no, let's No impersonations
1: of celebrities by Johnny when he read the emails, no Christopher Walking impersonation, nothing. I, I don't think I do impersonations, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Only if Carl. <laughs> Neither did their guest, but nothing others. Okay.
0: Right. Well, let's let's bring things to an end. That's that's pretty much it for episode forty-five. Um, so. Johnny, how can... Oh, people... go, to, go, to, go to Carl first. I'm looking up the hashtags and everything right now. Oh, okay then. Okay <laughs> then. Uh, Carl, uh, this is, this is going to be a shock to the system going first on this section now, so uh, hopefully you can adapt. Um, how can people keep up with you outside of this podcast?
1: Well, on our Photography with Classic Lenses Facebook page. And um, I'm posting pretty regularly on Instagram now. I'm liking Instagram more and more. I'm understanding it. and I discovered last week that you can message other people on <laughs> Uh, on Instagram, and then I had about no. I think you're on Instagram is where you are. And, then I, had, and then I had about 50 messages going way back to July from people. All never, these people that think you're ignoring them that i had never responded to. So I'm becoming more tech savvy, and um, and um, my Flickr page I updated it pretty pretty well last last week. And so I'm just I'm just Carl Havens on on both of those.
0: Uh, and uh, Johnny uh, you can you can find me on Instagram uh,
2: basically every day at, at, at system photography uh, you can find me at uh, central camera company in Chicago um, pretty much every day doing things there um, and you can send us an email and as we've proven today we will read the shit out of those emails <laughs> uh, you, you can email us at classic lenses podcast at gmail.com um, also on Instagram, please tag your images with hashtag Best Vintage Lenses and hashtag Classic Lenses to get featured over on Best Vintage Lenses. Vintage lenses, um, who are who are uh, some awesome folks that 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 are doing great things on Instagram, highlighting what uh, you can do with classic lenses, especially if you really really like bokeh.
0: <laughs> oh, lots of bokeh. Well, talking talk about Instagram then, and our our hashtag. Uh, that, yeah. that seems to change every week. I, I, th- I thought the last time it was classic.lenses. No, 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 that's the...
2: That's the... Oh, my God. <laughs> guys, you're killing me. You're killing me, guys. The hashtags stay the same. The The Instagram account that we have is, is the Classic Lenses Podcast with periods, but that's different than the hashtags. Okay. So that so... we're talking hashtags versus... Uh, you know, accounts right Does that makes sense okay, okay. So
0: we do hash classic lenses and hash best vintage lens, yeah. Uh, best vintage lenses, no, no,
2: lens. Okay, well, I'm looking at it right now oh, and I it's it says lens. lenses, v-e-s-t-v-i-n-t-a-g-e-l-e-n-s, okay. lens, best, best vintage lens, yes. About time you write about something in this
1: show, Simon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is episode forty-five. There's no yeah. wrong answer. Okay.
1: And when you and when you email us, um, you wouldn't know it from today because we talked only about gear today, because we focused on the emails. But um, we're really interested in how people approach photography, and um, would love to hear would love to hear um, from listeners about that, and um, in the context of classic lenses.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Um,
0: okay, so finally from me, uh, I have a website uh, where I sell in various things, uh, which is simonforsterphotographic.co.uk. I have an eBay store which you can find if you do a seller search for it's fuzzy. Um, I've been, I have actually been putting more stuff on there as well, which is uh, good news. Some nice lenses on there. Um, and I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic. I'm on Twitter as Simon Forster Photographic. No, I'm not. I'm on Twitter as Simon Four. That's uh, F-O-R on the end of Simon. Um, and I can be found on the Facebook group for Photography with Classic Lenses. Uh, finally, wish to say thank you to Kevin McLeod for the music that we use, which is Octoblues from incompetent.com. And I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. it would be great if you can join us again next week.
1: Goodbye. I'm no, not really. Um I was I was here last week. I was here last week and did the same thing. What do you Oh worry we didn't notice. What the f- no, I, I I thought that I talked too much <laughs> relative to other people. <laughs> no, you were great. I'll um, talk a couple, I'll talk about a couple just no, a couple could, things. Carl, Carl, in her, in seriously, her. you weren't here last week. Yeah, so we did <laughs> I was in my living room and Pam... <laughs> I was. Yes, oh, I remember no. very clearly.
0: Okay, I was. Okay. In my you were. You were somewhere last week. That is definitely the case. But you were not on
1: the podcast. Really <laughs> All right. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I've jumped a week ahead. This is the strange <laughs> one where you did. With, uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. This is this one where you did with Eric, and I did miss it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. am Time is flying because I'm having some. Much fun. <laughs> I listen okay, I listened to it. And you imagine my name. So. Well that's
0: it. It's more than you live you've you listened to my podcast and my guest appearance, have you? <laughs> oh you were on a podcast. Yeah, the Viking thing. I, I will I'll do it. Oh, dear. I even talk about you guys as well. Oh there you go. What can you say?
1: <laughs>
0: Friends like these. Hello? And well Oh dear. So, start again. That was bad. It. If, it goes, if it goes bad on the second word, then, then, then we're in for a bad time today, guys. Uh, okay. Episode 45, I'm telling you. Yeah, it's it's doomed. It's doomed already. Uh, okay. Hello, and welcome to episode 45 of the... Fuck, cla-
2: <coughs> oh, Trump. Sorry. <coughs> <laughs> okay.